This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Ruby, where learning the core techniques and knowledge behind plant-based cooking empowers people and athletes to live a sustainable, well-fueled, and delicious plant-based lifestyle. Visit ruby.com slash no meat athlete to learn more about their plant-based programs. That's R-O-U-X-B-E dot com slash no meat athlete to learn more. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, Matt, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Doug. Really getting into the season? This is this is the prime time. This is, this is some, some of the best days, I think. <laughs> Not as good as the post-Christmas before New Year's days, but uh, uh-huh. the lead-up is, is just fun. Especially if you have kids, it's just... just yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's super fun. We're you know My kids are still in the Santa phase, or mm-hmm. my oldest kid is still in the Santa phase, and... Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's fun, fun times. But today is actually her birthday, and uh, oh, nice. we were we were thinking. Katie and I were thinking last night. We were after dinner. We were talking back on what our lives were like during when she was born, mm-hmm. and uh, some funny stories. And and uh, it reminded me this morning when I was setting up for the podcast. It, it reminded me of um, the first podcast after she was born. Do you remember those? <laughs> Yeah, I think I I think I may have not uh, been on one. Wasn't there one that was you and Sid? And yeah, because I was, there, I was really sick. Said, yeah. I was like oddly sick for a whole month when she was. Oh yeah, born. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 There, there's one. Me and Sid is like stands out the most in my mind. I kind of thought you were on that episode, but I guess it was just no, I the wasn't. two of us. Um, but I was so tired and so <laughs> hectic and out of it that like I would be saying something and just completely. Hundred percent lose my train of thought to where I, I just I didn't I would just stop talking and sit, sit with, or and you and whoever else would just be like uh, Doug yeah. <laughs> you all right there yeah Those yeah were, sleep, uh, some, sleep some funny uh, deprivation is a real real thing mm-hmm. people like to joke about not sleeping a lot but if you, it, it really does add up it's it's bad yeah I mean it impacts need, everything you need to sleep you need to sleep <laughs> speaking of sleep are you sleeping any better. Uh, a little bit. I'm figuring things out. Not not great yet, but uh, a little bit better. Good. Some some good progress. Yes. But anyway, uh, yeah, just enjoying this phase of the year. Still <laughs> still going hard on the Christmas movies. I don't know. Not not too much to add there, but uh, just just doing what you, what you do. You just watch them. You just <laughs> you just you just watch them, dude. And, uh... Yeah. You know what I watch? Okay, here's a good one. This is actually podcast worthy. Okay. Uh, did you know that, you know, everyone knows National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most classic Christmas movies there is, really. Sure. Uh, there is a Christmas Vacation 2 that yeah. is subtitled, like, Cousin Eddie's Christmas Island Vacation or something. And uh, Chevy Chase is not in it. <laughs> so, uh, so Cousin Eddie's the main character and his family. And uh, the original Audrey Griswold from the original Vacation, not Christmas Vacation, but Vacation, uh, she is back, and like 20 years later, uh, she's back as Audrey again, as, as a grown-up Audrey. And uh, I watched that with my daughter then. We found it and then, you know, Insta-streamed it because we had to watch Christmas Vacation too. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was really bad. I mean, it was it was worse than than these Hallmark movies for sure. Were they, <laughs> was it a big box office thing or was it? No, it was made for TV. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what did, it, just not good. 
Yeah, that's. There are times when they should just uh, they should just stop while they're ahead. You know, it's a classic. <laughs> don't, don't don't try to ruin it with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to know that would ruin it too. It didn't didn't have the main funny guy in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, good little nugget in case you really want to. Get into the vacation series, which, you, which honestly you should. You should. You owe it to yourself to see this movie if you're into the vacation movies, but uh, it's just not good. You're not going to enjoy it. No. <laughs> <laughs> All anyway, right. So, um, let's see. With with that, I mean, that's Christmas, but we've got, uh, of course, New Year's is coming very soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as I've always said, for years now, December is really the kind of the best time to think about new year's stuff like don't don't wait till december 31st and then make a bunch of resolutions and then go party and then the next day you know think about them a little bit and then forget about them by by january 7th uh which honestly is what happened it's happened to me plenty of times um but i've I've learned that like i don't know this time as like things are busy in the holidays of course but you know people tend to get a little more time off work uh more time just spent socializing hopefully i mean obviously there's a lot of stress that comes with the holidays but hopefully there's also a lot more time to uh just reflect and and have downtime and or at least relax um and so it has always been my favorite month of the year for several reasons but one of them Uh is like to actually start thinking about new year stuff and to be really excited about this chance that we have which is not no, no need that we have to wait till new year's obviously to make changes or set goals but uh, we do, and it's nice to have this milestone, this, this reminder every year to say check in, say where are we compared to last year, um, and so, I, like the single best tip I have, the simplest one is just start thinking about these things ahead of time, mm-hmm. and you know lay the foundation, make the plans, whatever you got to do, so that when January first hits, it's not like suddenly the you have to flip the switch and like now everything's different. Like you you can even get started on your thing. And then just say, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. And then January 1st comes, and then is that the official beginning or whatever? But um, I really think, like, thinking about this stuff and kind of taking some actions at during this time, to me, it's it's the best time to do that, and it's it's, pro- it's the best way that I know to, to make actually make, make good of New Year's goals. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you know, it feels like New Year's is just around the corner, because it is. But you got mm-hmm. two weeks. You got two weeks to start thinking ahead now and not uh, don't wait until New Year's Eve when – you're about to go to a party and and have to write down your new year's new year's resolution right. or something like that. Good. You don't want to do that. No, no. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> I mean, why even, why even writing it down at that point? Like, why? Like, what's the point? It's, yeah. <laughs> and I've done it for sure. I used to do it that way, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I would like keep telling myself, I got gotta gotta think of resolutions and write them down. But like, I mean, why? It it doesn't it meaningless that the calendar changes to a new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, if you use it as this kind of check-in and you actually put time into thinking about where you've been and where you want to go and all, you know, then it's a really valu- can be a really valuable date just to have to have a date that that is sort of the start date. Yeah, or you know, even if it isn't necessarily the start date, and see, this is I think important for my frame of mind of recently is it's not like January first I have to wake up and start doing something that I wasn't doing on January thirty first, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Right. But if if you can start. Uh, working towards it or start, you know, begin using the year that 12 months as a, as a timeline, time frame to kind of be thinking about the progress you made or didn't make and, uh, you know, how you're going to progress over the next year, then that, that adds like a start date of, okay, January 1st, this is the year that I'm going to start doing something, even though I maybe am not starting it on January 1st. Yeah, definitely. You, but there's no reason, like, depending on what type of goal, as long as your goal is not, a, I'm going to do run every single day of the year or something. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to, 
just mm-hmm. like I said, like I think the flip switching mentality is not really the one you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that this year is going to be different because you're going to do these things, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily imply that there's any different action on January 1st. But uh, but hopefully, you know, there would be some thought that's going into something. And, and like I said, that's that's what I think you should be doing all the way leading up to that anyway. Absolutely. And so today we're going to be talking more about New Year's and, and kind of failed New Year's resolutions. But in this frame of uh, over Thanksgiving, you put together a, what was it, six-part series? Over so, Black Friday, Doug. Black, <laughs> over Black Friday, yep. Yeah. The Black Friday, uh, Cyber series. Monday, seven-part series, um, kind of outlining what you did wrong for a couple of years around habits and how you've... Uh, and, and, and fitness change and wellness change and, and how you reframed it and have uh, been a lot more successful in the last year. And I think it, for me, I loved reading it, even though we've talked about it. Uh, you know, we've talked about some aspects of this over previous episodes. This, uh, you know, seven part series really summed it up beautifully to, for me. And uh, I, I thought it was great. So we're going to do part one today where we're going to cover the f- first four parts of the series. And then part two next week, we're gonna, where we're going to cover the next three parts um yes exactly so if you want to play along at home it's at uh if you go to nomadathlete.com slash blog you'll see it there or nomadathlete.com slash uh get back in shape get dash back dash in dash shape uh so go there if you want to read the post and see it all it's it's a very long post i just kept adding to it each day that i wrote a new part um but anyway we'll try to make these episodes not drag on too long i hope uh but yeah i'm excited to talk about this because it it, I don't know. It is a cool topic. It, it's cool for me personally just to have actually feel like I overcame these couple years in a row of failing at, uh, at I don't know, not, re- not resolutions, but just a kind of New Year's goals. Um, and, and more than that, it wasn't that they were just New Year's goals. They were, they were get back in shape health goals that, that I was not doing a good job at, at achieving, basically. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a good job of changing my health. So um, I guess I can, I can just start with kind of the, the background failure yeah, yeah. part Why don't of the story. You set it up. Take us back to January 1st, 2019. <laughs> okay. It was a yes. cold, wintry day. It, it the probably sun... was. Almost certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't remember. I remember I talked about this on the podcast to you in, must have been December probably. We're doing an episode like this one, uh, 2019. So two years ago. Mm-hmm. No. This was the end of 2018, started 2019. So three years ago. Um yeah, and so I I said I wanted to get into the best shape of my life. That was my thing. And that had never been my thing because, like, I had prior the, – the previous 15 years, I had been all into running, uh, had had sort of fallen out of it in the in the two or three years leading up to that. But, like, I hadn't had any need to get in the best shape of my life. Like, I was totally happy with fitness and sports, and I had running goals, and I was achieving things, and it was good. Um, but then I after I ran my 100-miler, actually, is kind of when I really lost – any drive to go run because just couldn't find a, a, a race goal that was really motivating for me mm-hmm. and uh i just kind of got out of shape it wasn't like bad i just, like i mean i still did you know played soccer and different things like i still did some active things yeah, you're still active right yeah and i'd go through months here and there where I'd, I'd spend a month you know running up and down a hill a lot or doing interval workouts like i would do some stuff um and and i'd get and go back in the gym for a few months you know did that but at this point, like I had started to really do nothing, I think for, for a, quite a while. And then I got into Muay Thai and I really liked that. And I was inspired that like, I want to keep going with this and really get in the best shape of my life. Um, and so that was my goal. And I thought all about it and what that was going to mean. And, you know, it was going to have a, a fit, like a strength component to it and then an endurance component. And I was going to do all these things. And then 
I just didn't do anything. So 2019 passed, and I didn't do any of it. <laughs> I, you know, I can blame some things like my the Muay Thai classes. Uh, the schedule got moved around. You probably remember me saying this. Oh yeah. And it like totally disrupted this huge. It was like becoming a passion of mine. This Muay Thai thing. And so it's kind of silly that like something as small as the schedule getting moved around would would throw a goal off course. Which is in truth, it is. I mean, like that's that was the in my mind the reason it got harder. But the real reason was obviously much deeper stuff. Like what we're going to talk about today. Um, and so, so that happened. wasn't good. I didn't. I didn't beat myself up over it. I just kind of forgot about it. But then, when I turned forty, so this was a, a sorry, year when, later. I, when, when I turned no, when I turned thirty nine, oh, which yeah. was a, which was a year later, I had I was back home in Maryland, and I went out with some friends to a bar. And I remember like the next morning, I woke up kind of hungover. It didn't happen very often, but birthday, whatever, it did. Uh, and I remember thinking, like, I remember just being really frustrated about my fitness then. And saying, uh, you know what, like this is this is silly that I had this goal before, and here's where I am now. And I thought, you know what, I'm I'm coming up on forty. Uh, like, what if what if for my fortieth birthday, I'm in the best shape of my life? Like that could be a, that could be a big thing, <laughs> be a great thing, right? To hit forty, uh-huh. yes, you're turning a new page, but you're also knowing you're in better shape than ever. There's um, no better time to set big goals than when you're a little bit hungover. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that, actually. I, I don't I don't completely disagree with that. There's some there's some clarity. Sometimes the frustrations can can boil over to the point where the end it makes true. you want to change. Things. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's actually been a while since I've since I've had that. Maybe I need to do that. Before New Year's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. That's what we're telling everybody. Get drunk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so again, I did nothing. Now last year we had the pandemic, and you know I tried some stuff just like everybody. We got got a little idea that we'd get really fit during the pandemic. Well, that didn't really happen for me either. Um, and so, you know, two years of, of really bad failure. I wasn't talking about it that much. Uh, I wasn't revisiting it and saying, Hey, I totally failed here. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't good. And, and like, I'm a fitness guy and a healthy eater. And, all, and so it was not a good thing. I was not in a good place with that stuff and I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I had eaten a whole lot of homemade pasta during the pandemic. And I was literally like the, the most out of shape I've been as far as like just appearance. Uh, and so you know, it when it all changed was as I've said on this podcast several times now. Uh, just before my birthday last year, when I did turn forty, was not in the best shape of my life by any means. Uh, but I bought a kettlebell and a book uh, called "Simple and Sinister" by Pavel Totsilin is his name. Uh, and and like for some reason, like I wasn't planning that this was like my way to get in shape. Now I didn't anymore have that best shape of my life goal. Uh, but I had been thinking in a sort of a different way. And so anyway, it all, that all amazingly worked really well. The cannibal habit stuck. Um, it, you know, I just, I, I just followed the routine and there's the way it's built is really important. And I, I'm not telling anyone they need to get into kettlebells, but, but some of the principles of the way that program is designed, I think are really, really helpful for kind of reforming a habit. Um, so it stuck. And then it got me into like that. As I started to get in better shape, it made me think about diet and I started cleaning up what I was eating. Uh, again, looking at sort of fat in the scale and saying, Hey, how can I, or fat in the mirror, but also looking at the scale and saying, Hey, like I'm doing all this fitness. Like I don't want to waste that by eating this junk now. So I started eating better. I started running at soccer practices because I was there and it was like, Hey, why not? So like the whole mindset, everything just changed. And here I am now almost to my next birthday, my 41st. And, uh, it's been an entire year of, of like no gaps, little gaps for, for, uh, 
injuries and stuff, but like never, never just a procrastinating, like, I don't feel like working out again. Uh, and that, that's pretty rare for me. Like I, I have almost never made it a whole year without some kind of long protracted, like just, you know, mm-hmm. rest period or something. Um, so it, it has really turned into a big success. I feel like this is as, as good a shape as I've been in a long time. I think I'm in many ways stronger than I was even in college when I was much more into lifting. Um, and I just have lots of plans to, to do much more. Uh, I haven't really talked about those too much yet, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been great. So that was the inspiration for this year. It was like to talk about what, what were the things that were so different that made this year so different from the previous two years when I had, had been focused on the same goal, but just couldn't do it. So, uh, that is where we would begin Doug with, uh, with these four parts and, and each of these parts is kind of a, just a different key to the change. Uh, and obviously the hope is that someone listening to this who's struggled, whether with, with getting yourself back in shape or some other, you know, area of your life, I think a lot of the principles can, can still apply. So unless there's anything for you to, to add there, Doug, we'll, uh, we can, we can kick it off with the first one. Uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing more to me to add. You know, I think that, uh, this part one is all about a mindset shift. So, you know, you, you were coming in off of two years of, of failed trying to be in the best shape of your life goals. Um, and, and it all kind of shifted and it wasn't, I mean, I, th- I think it, the, from my understanding, the, the book and the kettlebell jump started some things, but it wasn't just that it was a lot more of a mindset thing. Yeah, totally. And, and so the very first one, the one that kind of preceded the kettlebell thing, I don't, and I don't have a clear memory of when exactly all this happened, but, uh, I know as I was heading into that, cause 40th birthday is a big thing. As I was heading into that, um, I was didn't have a lot of regrets. wasn't like wasn't like really beating myself up over turning forty. Like uh, it was all fine. Uh, but I started. I, I was not ashamed, but like it was too bad that I wasn't in good shape. That I couldn't say I'm actually in. Like that's one area of my life that I don't think is as good as it could possibly be by any means. And so I started thinking like, you know, it's too late to do anything by the time I turn forty, right? Because it's, it's a month away, mm-hmm. or it's a week ago, whatever it was. Um, and so for some reason, then I went to 50 and I said, it was a big, big <laughs> jump. I know. But I said like, what if I, what if this next decade I, you know, behaved, treated it in a way that when I hit 50, I was in the best shape of my life, which sounds kind of like it's just the same thing. Just pushing it out even further, giving myself more time to, <laughs> to, to, to goof around, eat pasta. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was totally a different feel because mm-hmm. as soon as I did that, uh, well, a good example, I never bought a kettlebell in those previous years. I never did anything but what was familiar to me. So the very first thing it did is like it does is it allows you, it allowed me to, uh, you know, be free to think about something bigger. Like I could picture my, if I picture myself a year from now being in shape, that's just picturing myself, you know, doing the same, the same stuff that I know as fitness, right? Going back to the gym and running, mm-hmm. which I said, that, mm-hmm. that was kind of my, some of my goals that I started. But when you can picture yourself, 10 years from now, and you don't have to be at a zero birthday to do this, obviously, you can just think about the next decade. Um, You know, I started like imagining like, what would it actually take for me at age 50 to be in really, really good shape? And the picture in my head wasn't someone who just went to the gym and ran like I had done for the past 10 or 15 years, minus the long gap that that kind of preceded this. Uh, It was more about like, I don't know, I just thought about more like a holistic kind of view of health. And I thought about someone who like surely does those things, like does some running, does some lifting of weights, but is also involved in like lots of different sports, like things that are actually fun, 
that that you know are just active and like that sorry i don't mean to say that running is not fun but things that are like aside from the fitness part you just want to do them uh and like croquet so like, and all yeah, the all the exactly. 50 old sports exactly bocce, bocce ball, yeah uh-huh. all those kind of things <laughs> uh no but like i mean i don't know i thought i thought maybe i'd get into just things that were totally different i don't know i did i just uh, soccer i was i was playing soccer kind of close to the same time so i was thinking about that sort of sport but like something you just go do because like the kids do because it's fun uh and so i just started my mind got open to more things and i think that's probably why whenever i found this kettlebell book on amazon i didn't have a kettlebell yet but i saw the book and said wow like that that looks really cool like maybe i could do that uh i don't know for whatever reason it it seemed like a reasonable possibility and surely i had seen kettlebell books before and it had never been attractive to me it just hadn't been anything that would fit into my view of fitness because i didn't i didn't work out at home i didn't i don't know i just it just didn't wouldn't have made sense for me to get a kettlebell mm-hmm. um but with this different thing thinking about 10 years it it just changed it it, it removed a lot of the the pressure because another thing like when i went back and said okay one year to get in the best shape of my life like it's really first of all i'm all about big goals like that but tight timelines on big goals like one year to get into the very best shape of your entire yeah, life it's a lot of hard work yeah, it, it's a ton of work, and, and it may be impossible, right? Like, it, it, you may not be able to make that many fitness gains, depending on what the best shape of your life is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that was a huge part of, the, of that problem. I remember trying to figure that stuff out, and it was like, well, at one point in my life, I qualified for the Boston Marathon, so does that mean I have to get back to that kind of pace when, when I haven't, you know, run at that point, run more than a marathon in, in at least probably five years? Um, and then I thought about my, you know, the the amount I had been able to lift in college. I thought, do I have to get that strong again? Or can I be some average of those things and like a little bit not quite as good at either one, but more well-rounded? And like, you know, to, to really get in really, really good shape, it, it takes time. Like, I mean, you can you can certainly make transformations to your body in a year. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a huge thing, like get in the best shape of my life. I mean, that to me, that's a that's a ten year project, not a one year project. So, was the ultimate goal to be at when you were fifty, be in the best shape of your life, or just when you're fifty, be in really good shape? I think it was really be in really good shape, mm-hmm. but I do think that part of my thinking there was be in better shape than I am now, right? Um, because that had this other added thing that was like, wow, like if like you know, I mean, when you hit these birthdays with zeros, it does it. It's a little bit you think about getting older. And so sure. when I thought, like, if I could be in, like, better actual physical shape than I am now when I turn 50, uh, and especially if it's, like, way better, that almost feels like you didn't age, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. obviously, you are still aging and things are going on besides outward appearance. But um, I don't know. It just it felt like, wow, like, that's that almost feels like cheating. Like, that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's something, there's something really motivating to me. Uh, you do remember uh, Game Changers, the movie? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't. I can't even picture what the guy, who the guy was, but there was like this older guy that they featured um, several times. He, I think he ran a gym and he would, he would outlift and outperform a lot of his younger mm-hmm. uh, gym mates. Um, and he was 50 or six, maybe even like 60. Uh, he, he was definitely older than um, you think of when you think of someone who's in prime shape. And uh-huh. that, that guy and that, I remember having a conversation right after the movie. That was almost the most motivating part of the entire movie <laughs> to me uh, was just thinking about being old and being able to outperform. I mean, not that 50 is old, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. but you know, being older and outperform your kids, you know, who are 
half your age or whatever. Right. Um, right. And you know, I think that that is, I think that's just a really, a, a really motivating thing for me. And again, it's not motivating in the same way as signing up for a marathon and having to go out every day and train for that marathon. It's a different type of motivation. It's a different type of mindset, like what exactly what you're talking about. Um, that maybe allows for more creativity and allows for more outside the box thinking and, and patience, uh, that you don't have when you, when your goal is three or six or 12 months away. Yes, exactly. So it, so it removes this pressure, this need to immediately like go back to doing these things that you think are going to lead there, which is, which is of course going to be the same things you've done before. Um, and, and yeah, and it just, it just, to me, it just made it all more attractive, right? Cause I had this new vision of myself, uh, 10 years from now. And like, I think what you're saying there, Doug, like it probably takes getting a little bit older to actually become motivated by the idea of being older and outperforming your kids or outperforming mm-hmm. people younger than you. Because I, I, when I was 20, that, that didn't speak to me at all because I was the younger, right? I was, I was the, I was the one who would have, <laughs> who's he's trying to outperform. Right. Uh, and so like, I don't know, I just wouldn't have gotten that at all. But, but once you hit into your thirties, forties, I don't know. I think that, I think you start to get this different sense. And also for me, like my, my view of, of wellness, and actually this will be kind of into the next topic, but my, my view of wellness had changed so much from when I was younger that picturing myself as in shape, you know, right now meant the gym and running, but 50 years from now, it, it 10 years from now, uh, it meant like much more of like kind of a longevity focus mm-hmm. and like, you know, doing exercise like like mobility kind of stuff, um, and and that blue zones, which I love the blue zone stuff. Um, just you know, eating in that kind of way and doing exercise like the blue zones people do, which is much you know not always so deliberate as as go to the gym, but more like built into their life, um, things that are you know fun to do. So I think it just all it came at the right time. I don't know that everyone's going to be at at the time where you know that sort of thinking would make sense, but um, I would definitely urge you to think. It, you know, if, even if it's just think five years down the road or three years down the road, uh, but rather than say like, I'm, I have to do this one thing this year. And this goes for a lot of goals, by the way, like if you can, if you can actually be motivated with a longer timeline, I think almost always that's going to be beneficial. Uh, cause it lets you think in a, in a bigger way. And it, like, that's the same things lets you kind of be more free to, and open to new ways of, of achieving that. And, uh, I just think overall it's a good thing. Yeah. So, so, so before we move into part two, and and for anyone listening, I think this is uh, I think that the rest of them are going to flow a little bit quicker than uh, sure. the yeah. first one did. Now, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Ruby. We're learning the core techniques and knowledge behind plant-based cooking empowers people to live a sustainable, well-fueled plant-based lifestyle. Ruby's the leading online culinary school that specializes in plant-based culinary instruction and is teaching more than 650,000 students around the world. They're different from a recipe site or other cooking sites as their lessons and courses focus on foundational techniques that transcend cuisines and can be applied across recipes to help you make delicious food every time. The classes are affordable and 100% online with high-quality instructional videos and assessments. No Zoom sessions to attend, though. Don't worry about that. But what takes Ruby to the next level is their industry-leading chef instructors who provide personalized feedback on assignments and are available for Q&A. So that's, I mean, that's like going to real culinary school, Doug. You get, you get someone to, to see what you're doing. You submit the photos and things of, the, of your work, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and they tell you how you're doing, and they're actual really great chefs leading this. So uh, not that different from an in-person culinary school experience. And to me, super great gift idea. Absolutely. And you know, at this point, we are right outside of Christmas 
and the holidays. So if uh, if you don't have a gift yet, you're probably not going to get it in time. Right. This is you're the thing in, to you're do. In gift card range at this point. Yeah, and this, and this, this is, is way really better good. than a standard gift card. Yeah, no one wants a Home Depot gift card by any means or <laughs> whatever else you might get them. Ruby has recently updated their popular six-month plant-based pro course with over 25 hours of new content like fermentation, grilling, food photography, and meat alternatives, complete with new technique videos and instruction and recipes. And for the holidays, as we said, gift cards are available for a great holiday gift. Visit ruby.com slash to learn more about their plant-based programs. That's R-O-U-X-B-E dot com slash to learn more. All right, so part two, you titled The Hardest Part About Getting Back in Shape. And, uh, and I, I appreciate this section a lot because getting back in shape is very hard. I was talking to somebody about this last night, actually. Um, the, when, you, when you're out of shape, it's a spiral, right? Because everything is harder. You know, you think if, if you thought that a five-mile run was easy when you were in shape, you know, and you, and you have that mindset, five miles isn't too bad, and then you, then you go out for a run, and suddenly five miles feels really difficult and really far and really hard, then it just kind of puts you in a negative headspace and, uh, and doesn't, it's not motivating to go out and run again. So you start, you start just kind of putting things off, and hard, getting back in shape is so much harder than maintaining shape. And right. getting back in shape, I would argue, is in many ways harder than getting in shape the first time. The getting mm. back in shape is actually the key to this section. Um, because what's so hard about getting back is, is first of all, and there's three different things that I kind of identified as like what made this so hard. But like you said, the comparison to where you were before, which is what I called baggage, uh, that makes it really, really hard. Like it's like, if you've ever, uh, gone to the gym for a significant amount of time, and I'm just thinking of bench press, cause that was sort of the classic lift. And this is from my college days, but, uh, you know, I, I could get up, I don't know, I got up to 225 or something that I was benching. And then came back after I stopped at some point, inevitably, you hit some stop and then take six months off and you came back and then can't bench 145. And it just seems like you're never, ever going to get that strength back. It just, it just, I don't know. It's just very defeating. And it is not at all uh, kind of what you want to be feeling when you're like trying to be motivated to be back in shape. It just, and like I said, it takes time to build up to that level. So when you lose it, there's no, there's no quick immediate road back to it. So like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to, to face that. So, um, so that was the first thing that like big trouble with getting back in shape is this baggage factor. And this was definitely affecting me, um, with running too. Like you said, like I realized I could not run nearly the pace that I was expecting. I would have to, to be in the best shape of my best shape of my life. Um, next was boredom, which I kind of touched on before with the previous one. Uh, like for me getting back in shape, like the first thing you go to is you do the same thing you did before to get into shape. Like that's how you get back in shape. It's the easiest proven way to do it um is just do what you know works the problem for me was that like that's pretty much the reason that i wasn't in shape anymore is because those things i'd gotten completely done with i mean i I had done them enough that like whatever was motivating about them for me was no longer doing it for me so in this case like my my very definition of fitness is probably the the reason that i wasn't in fitness anymore because if fitness for me meant going to the gym running eating well uh, you know, I, I wasn't interested in going to the gym or running at this point. And luckily I've kind of made my way back into those, which we'll get to in the later parts, how you can, how these things can happen sort of automatically. Uh, but, but the thought of getting, of doing those things again, the things that I knew I didn't really like doing that much anymore, uh, that, that made it seem like not a very attractive thing to get in shape again. Mm-hmm. And then finally, for me, there was this conflict and that's the third one. Um, 
this conflict that came up, which was, I had always like, for me, fitness had always kind of meant, aside from the running part, had always meant putting on muscle, being strong, um, but more than being strong, putting on muscle, like like actually putting on, being <laughs> big. Six pack and the Yeah, right. And the having, guns, you know, big packs. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's what a lot of people would think of as fit. And I still, in some ways, think of that as fit. It's not like I wouldn't want that. What I know, though, is like when I have, have had that or had close to that, uh, specifically with, you know, putting on weight, like it takes a tremendous effort for me to keep weight on right not not in the gym the gym is fine i can i can do that stuff and honestly i don't think you need to lift as much as what people think you do to get big but the amount of food that i had to eat uh you know it it wasn't just like tiring and hard and uncomfortable to eat that much which was those things uh but like i don't even think that is healthy and that Mm. was a new thing for me it's like in in the past few years that i've you know thought more about food for sure in the past five years than i did in the five before that um you know, I realized that like this this definition of fitness for me was was now kind of incompatible with my definition of health because I don't you know one of the surest ways to live longer is eat fewer calories than you do as long as you're not malnourished or something and like that that is one of the you know truly good factors linked to longevity is how few calories you eat uh, again above a minimum line that's needed um, and so, like, if if I if there was no way for me to keep weight on, keep keep the muscle on that I thought meant fit, and also be healthy, then like that's a huge conflict that's going to prevent me from ever doing that for the long term, and probably prevent me from doing it in the short term because I know in the back of my mind that it's not going to last. It's not something I can sustain. Right. So that was a pretty huge thing too. Um, and so, like, this this was part of the the ten year thinking, as I said. Like, but this didn't have to do so much with the changing of the timeline, but rather the picture of me that I, that I thought of as fit, like I realized like my definition of fitness doesn't have to be the same one that it's always been. And now, and I was still thinking 10 years ahead, of course, but you don't have to, to change your definition of fitness. Um, and I just started thinking like, like, you know, it, it could be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be those things. And so this is also what, what I think opened my mind to saying, Hey, I can, I can get this kettlebell and start this program. Like this seems like it would be a nice little thing to do for a few months. Uh, and you know, like, and that, like I said, that's just what worked so well. Um, you may remember, Doug. I I recommended a TRX suspension system in our gift guide. I last do remember year. That. that was one of my holiday yeah. gift things, and that was. I'd like to go back and listen to that and hear what my mindset was uh, <laughs> just before the kettlebell came along and took over, because I remember kind of being excited about this thing, but I did it a few times, and like, it's great. It's portable. I took it to a hotel once, and that was nice. Like, it's good for that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's great for serious training too. A lot of people have a lot of success with it, but for whatever reason, for me, like it just wasn't, it just wasn't doing it. It just was not like when I was done those workouts, it wasn't like I was all feeling like, wow, I just done something great for myself and couldn't wait to do it again. It just wasn't, just wasn't my thing. So I still Mm -hmm. have it. Maybe one day I'll get back to it. Um, but, but the, the point here is that like, once I freed up my mind to start thinking I can do other things, I got the TRX thing. And like, it turned out that wasn't my thing. So then I went on and got the kettlebell thing uh, or got the kettlebell. And I think to me, that's just a huge symptom or a huge, I guess, sign that something had, had switched and I was no longer thinking like my, my working out just has to be what it's always been, right? Go, go in the gym and get, get the plates on the, on the bar and start lifting. Uh, it just turned into these different types of activities. And, and I think these things were more, I was thinking about like things that I could do for the long term, and that, you know, I might find enjoyable things I could do at home. And uh, that, yeah, that, that just sort of like rethinking what fitness means uh, for me really, really changed 
how how it went and how how interesting and exciting it was to actually do it. So I think like what's what the practical thing here would be whether or not you're going to do the 10 thinking 10 years down the road thing, which I think will kind of automatically do this for you. It'll allow you to think bigger about what fitness might mean. Um, you can also just ask yourself that, like, are those things, the, the baggage, the boredom or the conflict, and maybe there are more, but those are the ones that were affecting me. Are those what is preventing you from getting back into shape or, mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever your goal is you're trying to do. And <clears> if they are like, think about, I mean, how, how can you think more broadly about, or how can you redefine what what your definition is that's causing you to feel all those things? So how can you think bigger? Like what what thing could you do instead that wouldn't have a lot of those with it? And yeah. for me, that kettlebells was it, right? Because there's no comparisons with the kettlebells to my old self because I have no idea of what mm-hmm. is good and what isn't. Uh, and so that that certainly helped. And all I all I see now is progress instead of how how far I am behind what I where I, you know I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think that that is such a valuable. If you if you don't take anything else out of this, I, th- I think that is such a valuable lesson I, because I cannot tell you how many people I have spoken to, and I've dealt this with myself. Uh, I I am a runner, right? I think of myself as a runner. Running has been something that I have enjoyed a lot over the last decade and a half, um, and uh, but it's also not always easy for me to get motivated to run. And and I think people when they especially if they identify with the group or if they identify with that is being part of the personality. So not just something that they had success with, you know, to put on muscle or to lose weight or something like that, but it kind of becomes a, a part of them. Um, like running has for me and, and is for so many people, uh, when you're struggling to do that, it's so, it's just, there's, it's like, there's nothing else. There's no other option, right? If you want to get in fit, if you want to be fit, if you want to build your endurance, you're a runner. So you go run. And if you're struggling to run, then what do you do? Um, and, and, uh, I think that what you're saying there about reframing your definition, rewriting your definition of, of what fitness is, it doesn't mean you have to change your, your identity, right? I mean, you can still mm-hmm. be a runner, right? You can still go to the running club and, and run a couple of miles, uh, but it doesn't mean you have to be training for an ultra marathon. It doesn't mean you have to be training for uh, a marathon or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think uh, that idea that you can keep your identity and still do something else is really Great. I think the hard part, and maybe you'll have an answer for this, like the hard part whenever I would think in that way before, like when thinking back to when I ran a lot, mm-hmm. um, it would always seem like any other fitness I might do was just sort of a diversion kind of sideshow thing that like didn't really matter. That it mm-hmm. was sort of like, here's the thing that might help with running, but if it doesn't help with running, it's going to make me more fit. But like, I know that's not going to, I know that's just going to be a few months that I do that. And then I'm going to come back to this because it's not really it. Um, so I think that would be the, the challenge in like in in getting yourself to do other stuff that that isn't your idea. But I think the thing like for me, it's like if the point of if we're talking about fitness and like if the ultimate goal here is be healthy for your body, like your body doesn't care that that this isn't your identity, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you're right, still yeah. doing, it's not like running is the only way to and certainly like to only be a runner probably isn't developing the full range of fitness. So like mm-hmm. these other things are are really useful. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess my answer would be that it doesn't really matter. Like. Even even if you know that it's only going to be a couple of months, or, or that, uh, that you the, I don't know you you think this isn't going to change your identity, then so be it. The other day I played tennis for the first time in years. I mean mm-hmm. years and years, <laughs> yeah. and I had I had so much fun, and it was tennis super sloppy, uh-huh. uh, but it was it was really fun, <laughs> and and it just you know I mean I'm not going to go out and become a tennis pro, <laughs> you know, like I I don't know when the next time I, I will play again uh, is, but I had a really good time doing it and. I was watching, as I was playing, there was a basketball court right there, and I was watching some 
guys have like a pickup basketball game. And I, I thought to myself, you know, I should invite my friends out and we play a, a pickup basketball game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, again, I, I have not played, I have not shot a lot of basketball in the last several years and I would be so bad at it, but it would be really fun, you know? <laughs> and, and that's the kind of thing that you should allow yourself to do. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. I, I definitely like, these all for me are like alarm bells because I'm like, I have this, whatever it is. I don't know if type A is the right word because I don't think I really am that. But like when I think about that, I'm like, well, why would I do that? Because I'm not going to keep playing basketball. Like why, like, is it really going to help my fitness if I just do it that one time? It's obviously not. And I'm not going to keep doing it. So why would I really do it once? But like, this is that, you know, we talked about age 50, like my, my vision of 50 thinking like doing things that are fun. Like it would be okay if you did a lot of these sports and you weren't devoted to any of them, but you'd always do active things. And I almost mentioned tennis in that list, by the way, Doug, but I was concerned that you were going to call it an old person sport, (laughs) but it's really not. I mean, it it can be. It is definitely not. I was worked. No, it's really hard. Yeah, for sure. And it is fun. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, this also kind of ties into that blue zone thing, right? Like if you can be someone who's, who one of the ways you have fun is, is often, and I don't want to put a time or time frame on it, but like, let's say it's every, you know, twice a week, you're, you're meeting up and one time you're playing tennis and once you're playing basketball, like that, that turns into really significant fitness habits, right? That yeah. would actually make a difference in your fitness in the long term. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that I played tennis two weeks ago, last week, mm-hmm. whenever it was, um, and had such a good time means that I would be much more likely to say yes to someone or to be hanging around the house and call up somebody and say, Hey, you want to play tennis? Be much uh-huh. more likely to do it again, uh, than, than I would have a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and, you know, I think that, you know, even if it's not a daily thing and even if it's not a weekly thing, but if it's a couple times a month or, or whatever, I mean, that's that you're going to see gains over time. I mean, it just because, not not from just if you did nothing else, but if, if you incorporated a lot more activities in your life, then you're going to feel better for it, you know? Yep. And one other thing you said, Doug, you said something about like, well, like it's not like I'm going to become a tennis pro. I, I have also only realized with time and age that like, yep, that's right. You're not going to become a pro in almost anything, right? Almost none of these, mm. almost certainly you won't become a pro in any sport that you do. Uh, and like only recently have I realized that you can like, even if you don't, aren't going to become a pro tennis player, you might end up playing it twice a month and then finding that you really like it and playing once a week. And then, you know, it could become your thing where, where now you're reading tennis books and taking tennis lessons. And like, for me, like there is tremendous fulfillment in, in making progress towards something, even when there is no actual, like, you know, ultimate end to why I'm trying, what am I trying to achieve with this? Uh, for me, like that, that's one of the best things about life is like honing a craft and getting better at it and seeing yourself get better at it. Uh, so I think like the fact that like if, and I've definitely let this stop me in the past, this idea like, well, I'm not going to become a pro in that. So why would I even go do it? Um, I think like if getting past that for me has been a really, really important, valuable thing. It just like, it just, it suddenly it gives you that freedom of uh, what, you know, what, what activities you might do for fitness now. Um, mm-hmm. any of those, things, you know, lots of these things because they're, because they're fun to do and they feel good and, and you can, you can get better at them and enjoy the progress and all these other great things. Yeah. All right. Okay. On to probably more familiar topics. Um, the next one for me was um, how to make your make your fitness routine, your fitness habit automatic. And this will not be necessarily groundbreaking information for people who've listened to Nomad Athlete Radio a lot in the past. Um, but the idea here is, and this, you know, even even understanding that information that ha- all about the habit change, the start small stuff, the one habit at a time, the 
You don't want to burn out your willpower, so start in the smallest steps you possibly can and give that habit time to develop before you start really making it difficult. Because once it gets difficult, that's when your willpower drains. And if that willpower drains before you know that habit loop is really formed in your head, which takes a bunch of repetitions, who knows whether it's 20 or 60 or 100, um, you know, if, if that willpower goes, you're going to stop doing this thing and you're going to give up on it. So that's the idea. But even knowing that, to me, I st- up until you know last year when I did this, I still wouldn't have known a better way to get started going to the gym than read a book about the program you're going to do, um, you know, figure out all the exercises, get the form down at home, and then one day go to the gym and start the program. And it takes, whatever, 45 minutes or an hour, and it's painful, and you're really, really sore for the next few days, and you can barely make it back for the next day of the program, which might be, you know, two days later that week. Um, you know, that was how I started going to the gym. And it's mm-hmm. it's really, it's a hurdle you have to get over. It's, it's not an easy thing. Uh, and it's not just the, the physical, the soreness. Like, it's the, the, the work and the effort of having to learn all these things and think you're doing things wrong um, and, and be stressed about that. And then also, you know, all the other things that go into, especially if it's like it's a new gym and just figuring all that out, you know, it's a big thing. It's just, it's like, that's a, that's a big, big willpower drain. And so the way this kettlebell thing specifically works, and again, it's not about this specific thing, but just as example, um, what he said, like he gives you a program in this book that is essentially what I just said. It takes, you know, 35, 40 minutes to actually do it. Uh, and it's hard and, you know, it takes effort and, and some, maybe not painful, but it, but it is, it's difficult. Um, but you don't start that. He said for this book, like your, your first thing is just start spending 15 to 20 minutes with the kettlebell and these two exercises that the program is based on. And you just, you just do some reps and you do them with, you know, lightweight. You're not trying to, to do anything hard. You're not even really trying to build muscle at this point. You're just learning the form of these exercises and really importantly, you're building the habit of getting yourself to show up every day to do something. Uh, he doesn't so much talk about the habit part, and I don't know if that was his intention or not. Uh, for him, it's just about like, this is how you hone the form. And like, I was doing it with a, these Turkish get-ups that you have to start laying on the ground, and you end up with the kettlebell raised above your head with one hand, and then you end up back on the ground. That's one repetition. Like, that's actually dangerous to do if you don't understand the form or if you're doing it with a weight that's too heavy. So the way you start that and the way that I did this a lot was balance a shoe, a tennis shoe on your fist. And you do the whole routine that way or the whole movement that way. And if it falls off, then that, that would have been the weight probably going out of control. Mm. And so like, although that was maybe a little bit boring sometimes, it really wasn't hard. And for me to do that and then now and then work in the, the weight and, you know, you're not supposed to like listen to stuff. He said, just focus on this. But every now and then I'd, I'd put something on a podcast or something while I did it. And it just became this thing that like was was not at all hard for me to do. And I could sense that my I was honing this little bit of skill and how to do a certain movement uh, and then how to do kettlebell swings was the same thing. And so like the point was like, I never felt like, oh my gosh, I have to do my kettlebells today. Like that's going to be so hard. Instead, it was just like, okay, I have to do that 15 minutes. And if it was, if I wasn't feeling like it that day, I would do it for 10 minutes. Just, you know, do it until you don't want to anymore. And hopefully it's in that 15 to 20 minute range. Um, But what I didn't really realize was going on is like that was forming this habit. So that then as I, as I started spending more and more of that time with the actual weight, uh, by the time I was ready to 
do the first workout, it wasn't like some killer huge thing. Like, granted, it took twice as long maybe as the as that little warm up phase had each time. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it was like that first day of the gym where you're just just getting killed by the weight and and you know trying right. to learn all these new things and you're dropped into this kind of unfamiliar you know environment at least as far as the structure of your program goes. Um, it was very very different. It was an easing in process and. The important part here that I think people probably miss, or a lot of people miss, is that there was no fitness improvement during that time. Like, that was not at all the point of it. The point of it was to learn the skill, first of all, but I think more importantly, to build this habit. And so you, the, the changes that are happening during this first, say, month that you are doing any kind of build-up phase, and if we're talking about running and you want to start training for a 10K or something, like, don't start the 10K program right now. Don't go from zero to doing that. But, but, you know, find a, a couple weeks or a month even where you're doing this like as pleasant as possible form of running that is getting you running again. Uh, and so like, the, but the point of that is that every time you do it, you're not going to see fitness changes in that first month or not very much anyway, but you, you, the changes are happening in your head. Like that habit loop is forming the thing that says, and hopefully, you know, there's other, there's other habit stuff, which everyone who's read like the power of habit, uh, and other of these popular books or just read blog posts about them. You know, like there's the trigger and the thing that starts your habit, and then you do it, and then there's a reward afterwards. And often that reward is intrinsic, so you don't always need to like have an actual reward. Um, like there is all that stuff, and it's important and it's good. But to me, none of it is, is as important as just going really easy in the beginning. So for me, like that was that was a huge thing. And like I said, this is not different advice from from what we've said before. But uh, but I think that's really important. I think if you like, and that's New Year's time is a time when when almost nobody does this, as you said, Doug. Mm-hmm. They they flip that switch and they just start doing their thing on January first. Um, you know, if you can if you can find a way to build in a ramp up phase, whether it's really strict in terms of what you're doing and how how the ramping up is happening, or whether it's like just very loose the way mine was, I, I think that thing is is so important for for getting that habit to last. Yeah, and and it's hard to do. In many in many ways, it's almost counterintuitive, right? You you have uh, <clears throat> you join the gym, you want to go and you want to work hard because you're motivated and, uh, and you want to push yourself and see what you can do and, and get gains quickly and that kind of thing. Uh, it, but that's like you said, that's that's the recipe for disaster. You, what you need to really be doing is just building that habit, and and then the gains come later. But it, that's hard to do because. You know, you're motivated for the first time in months, maybe, and you just joined this membership and you want to, you want to go push yourself. Definitely. Uh, I think the the best thing to do with that is, is understand that by, by not doing that, right, by holding back, you're basically saving that excitement for the next time, right? Because if you, if you don't push yourself that day, probably you're going to be really, really wanting to do it the next time. Mm-hmm. And then if you want that day, I, I think you're, you're building up this sense of, of, I don't know if anticipation is quite the right word, but like by not letting yourself do too much, you're, you're, you know, you're saving something so that you, you want to do more the next time. Right. And I think that's, uh, I think that's something a lot of people don't know. They, they want to go hard. They want to get like, I really, I think a lot of people on their very first day of working out January 1st, when they start running again, they'll have an end to their run where they'll sprint to the end because they want to get mm-hmm. that extra bit. And really, you know, you want to end up huffing and puffing or else you're not, you must not be doing anything. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I've done the same thing, but I think that's, probably the worst thing you can do for the for the <laughs> sake of forming a new habit mm-hmm. uh it's just it's just not the thing that makes you want to come back the next day and do it again but if you save something then it then you've you've then you've saved that and then it, then it makes you i don't know stay motivated because you know there's more that you that you might be able to draw on this time mm-hmm. 
So, all right, so you got the habit. How do you uh, make your fitness routine addictive, which is step four here? Yes, step four, make it addictive. Um, you know, partly that's, I guess that's not going to make it addictive. That's going to make it easy at first, and it's going to get mm-hmm. you used to it. And hopefully there will be some sort of habit that actually builds an addiction thing. But um, this is basically, when I talked about that habit loop, and I didn't put this in the in the blog post at all, but like you have that that trigger or the cue, the thing that says this is the time to do the habit, and that is an important thing. If you can build in doing your habit at the same time or at this, you know during your lunch break or whatever, um, that's going to be helpful to have that cue. But for me, as I said, like often that the reward that comes with it, it isn't usually like a piece of chocolate that you eat at the end that you give yourself a reward. That's usually not how it works, and it's just it's not the most effective way anyway. Um, for me, the the reward, first of all, I mean, for most people, it comes from having accomplished the thing. But what worked exceptionally well for me was if I could make this, the time I spend doing the fitness, if that can actually become like the reward itself, the, the time I'm doing it, you know, then you have a, something that's going to last. Because a great example for me is like running back when I was training for, I think, 100 miler. Uh, I, like, I had young kids at that time. I think my son was probably three and my daughter was just born. Mm-hmm. And like to get out for that run was like the only time I could listen to podcasts. And I was super into listening to, I think, Entrepreneur on Fire podcast or something else, Tim Ferriss back in the day maybe. Um, and I just I just loved that time that I could go out and listen to something. And so like the, the go out and do the seven-mile run, which was like the daily run, it wasn't so much the running that I wanted to do. It was just the wanting to get out and have this time to myself and then the running was a nice bonus, and at the end, I could feel great about having done it. Um, but like, it became this thing where like, if I if I wasn't doing it in the day, or if there was a day where I hadn't done it yet, often in my head it would be like, well, I really want to go do that thing because I'm, I, you know, I get this out of it. And that's kind of for me been a really key thing this time is is to find ways to make that this exercise habit. Uh, and I'm speaking specifically about exercise, but I guess you could you could apply this to other things as well. But like, are there ways that you can make it so that it for you is like a can't miss activity? Where like, if it is something that you enjoy so much that if if it you if it gets pushed back because of a scheduling conflict or something that comes up, like what's going to make it so much fun that like you really want to get it done that day, and not just because you should, but because you don't want to miss out on doing this. And for me, this time, believe it or not, it was with language learning. I think I talked about this on the podcast. Like I found this this course that like required you to speak back in conversational pace or in conversational, um, uh, in a conversational manner. And I was also at the same time trying to get back into running. And I was realizing like for these easy runs that I used to find so boring where you have to stay at a conversational pace, it was just a perfect match for this language learning program because I was really excited about the language learning and I did not want to miss that any day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if running was the only way that I ever did that, because I got to be on my own and we're you know, have a conversation with an audio thing so that not seem like a crazy person. Um, it was perfect. So like I, I did it all the time. And then with the kettlebells, my example of really like in the middle of a work day, I often do the, my thing around lunchtime, do my routine. And I just put on stupid office reruns on the TV while I do it. Cause like, there's a lot of rest periods in, in my 35 or 40 minute workout or whatever it is. Um, and so like, there is plenty of time to just sort of be entertained and like, in the middle of a workday to, to take 40 minutes and do that workout and you have to, it's not like I'm resting longer, you know, wasting time. It's like, you just have to rest until, until you can do it again. Um, but like to just put on something that is entertaining. Cause I don't usually watch TV like that most other times of the day. So like, it was a really nice treat to get to do it. And it felt like if things were stressful, it was like, wow, like that would be perfect right now. Go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, uh, 
that that is what I mean by making it addictive. There's lots more examples, and we can we can talk about them quickly if you want. But uh, what do you got, Doug? Yeah, I mean, you know, a big one for me is 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 friends, and and I know that that's like way easier to say than actually do. But uh, yeah, my running group of guys that I get together with, um, you know, that's it's just been that's so much more addictive. <laughs> it's so much better to me, so much more yeah. fun, I guess. I you right. know I love a good solo run, but that's so much more fun and so much more motivating. Uh, than than having to go out on my on my own, have that time with them, and and you know a lot of my evening runs or nighttime runs, post kid bedtime runs are are with a, a buddy, and and that just makes all the difference and in the world. Th- I should point out like that is very different from having an accountability partner. So I think when mm-hmm. when me and certainly when I when people and when I certainly have like thought of working out with a partner before, it hasn't been about that like developing a friendship or just truly enjoying the time. It's more about like have this partner so that you both get each other to show up because you're not going to both, you know, you're not going to hit the snooze button if it means you're going to, you know, stand your partner up. Right. Um, you're talking about like you get so much out of the spending of time with them that you don't want to miss that. And if you miss it for too many days, you'll you'll do something to make it happen again. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, one friend of mine, um, we have a, a thing now because we were, we found that, almost every week we were getting together for beers and we'd get together for beers and then just have more beers. And the next day we'd <laughs> wake up a little tired and, and, uh, you know, we'd have a good time, but, uh, we have made a rule recently that, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit, it may be a little bit motivated from the accountability standpoint, but really what it is, is it's just so much better is we, we now meet up for a run or a bike ride first and we do that for an hour and then we go get a beer. Uh-huh. And uh, and we're still hanging out. You know, we're hanging out the whole time, and we're talking during the run, and we're talking during the bike ride, and we're talking during the beer. It's just a much more well-rounded experience, and and honestly, it's it's way more fun. It's it because you get the thrill of of the workout, plus you get the beer at the afterwards, and it's just <laughs> it's just a much better time. And uh, and I don't know, like that to me, it makes it addictive because I just I want to go out there and and hang out with him, and I want to do the workout and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think that is a, a great example. Like because even if you're even if this was not a running buddy of yours, it was just someone who you went and got beer with. Like the smartest thing you can do if if you guys are trying to start a fitness habit is say let's let's take this thing that we love doing and let's make it so that it you know it, it first has to happen in a fitness contest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I it's just like that's how you integrate that's how you make the fitness habit addictive by even if you don't even if the fitness habit in itself isn't addictive if you can make it the only way you get access to whatever this thing is you want, <laughs> right. you know, whether that for me is the language learning time or for you is hanging out with a friend, like then suddenly that those things are tied together and suddenly that you're going to do that activity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, that's super smart. A great example. Um, yeah. So I, in this, in this blog post, I've written down like community and competition, like the CrossFit people, I'm not one, but I, I, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. how that like competition every day showing up and, being in this community of people who are all trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, November's project is another example yeah, along those lines. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like so that's some people's thing. And and for them, like people who don't who who miss their CrossFit and need to get back to it, it it's certainly not all about they miss the the pump of, of the lifting, right? It's it has to do with that community there for many of them. Um people who use like the wearables and apps, if you can get that kind of data, I think a lot of people, and I've been here before, where you get really excited about watching that data change and tracking it and being able to see the graphs and seeing like literally just seeing your fitness improve in front of you um that's that's really great and finally for me with the kettlebell routine like one of the big reasons it has lasted and i say this one actually add this because i just achieved the big goal there there's like two big goals that are built into the book one's called simple one's called sinister 
And what he says is that everyone can hit simple. It, like, it takes work and it takes commitment, but, but everyone can get there. The sinister one's more like if you're really, really into this and you want to keep going, you know, this is not for everybody. This is for the elite few who are, who are that committed. Um, but I just almost a year into my program, I hit the sinister goal, which is to use a, a 70 pounder and, you know, do the, the get ups and the swings in a certain amount of time. Um, but like for me that having that goal in place that was there at the end, this is just like training for a, a race, right? We have like, there's this goal that we actually want to get out of it. Um, and if every single workout, or every single run represents some form of progress towards that, with running, you know the, the progress is very visible because you have a training plan. And even if you don't aren't tracking your paces or even how far you're going, like if you're just crossing off the the days in your program and you've got sixty of them on there, every time you cross a new one off, uh, you know that's like a visible progress towards something that's meaningful to you. And it just makes the the benefits of this fitness activity a little bit more visible. And for me, it was it was this kettlebell thing, like the it's like a very programmed kind of rate of increase. And so you, you'll do a, you know, stick with a certain weight, exact same workout several times a week and you stick with a certain weight. And then after, for, after uh, two weeks of doing it, you, you increase, you just, you add weight to one single rep of that. You change it, change your kettlebell out for one, one rep of get ups and one, uh, one set of 10 swings. And like, it, it's just a sort of programmatic thing. So every time I do it, like I just feel myself moving closer towards that next you know, uh, whatever mm-hmm. jump increase and like that, like that kind of visible, tangible progress to me, that's like, that's what has been missing in so many other weight programs I've done hmm. because in those, I'm just sort of moving off into infinity, right. Or in towards some unknown, like, you know, just getting jacked or whatever. Um, but these are like actual like goals that you're trying to hit. And it's just, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, that's been a big motivator. And so now that I've hit that one, I am actually a little bit worried, like, Again, not at all that that's all you can do because I could go down the sinister road and, and, and really go for it. But I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to get that into this. Um, and so I am I'm recognizing that like I've hit that thing, that milestone now, and that I'm not going to have necessarily that intrinsic reward to doing this workout. Um, and so I need to figure out what uh, what's going to be next or whether I'm going to keep going with, with towards this thing or, or what. So I don't know. I guess that's probably a good place to end is uh, – is the acknowledgement that that uh, some of these things might be temporary, right? Like especially with goals, like you you can move towards something that that's really pulling along with them. Once you get there, what do you do next? And that that for me was a huge problem in the past. With as I said, with the hundred miler, like once I hit that, it was kind of what what the heck do I do next? Like nothing's really calling me. Um, and so I'm not there yet for sure with this because this is this is still new. Whereas running for me at that point was 15 years old. Uh, but just just worth touching on. I like it. All right. Good. All right. That's, well, that was part one. That was part one of our next time will be uh, next time is more three like sort of more miscellaneous topics. They all kind of tie back in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was definitely the the mindset flash habit section, and I, honestly, I think the more important section uh, as far as like thinking about a, a getting back in shape type habit. So I hope this is valuable. But, but part two is still worth listening to, right? Of course, of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> including the ads on it. Make sure you listen to those ads. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, no, of course, absolutely it is. It's a, it's it's good stuff. It's just more specific. Um, and spoiler, alert, there's there's some uh, there's some eating stuff in there, and there's another another kind of uh, fitness uh, mobility topic, and uh, and one more little thing. So we'll get into that next time. But hopefully, in the meantime, this will be uh, plenty of uh, help in in thinking about New Year's. As I said, best month of the year for that kind of thinking. And I hope people are are 
making use of this time and, and doing that. Absolutely. Matt, thanks for sharing a bit of your story and having this conversation, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Doug. All right, see you, everyone. Bye. Bye.